Hello and welcome to the Career Speakeasy, a casual, fun, and irreverent place to share ideas about career development, the world of work, and life in general. I'm your host and proprietress, Kelly Nottingham. Growing your career should not be boring. So come on in, pull up a chair, and pick your poison. Hi, everybody. Today, we are discussing a topic that I am 100% positive affects many of you because you are intelligent and successful people. Today, we are going to be talking about imposter complex. But before we get into the nuts and bolts of this topic, I have an announcement to make. If the pandemic lockdown has made you aware of some major changes you want to make in your career or life, I can help. Maybe you realize you hate your current job or that you're holding yourself back from making a big life change that deep down you really want. Now is the time to start building momentum for the future. I've spent my career in professional development and training at Fortune 100 companies, leading training initiatives and coaching people from frontline employees to executive level leaders to improve their relationship to their work, their colleagues, and themselves. If you think some non-judgmental support and gentle nudging would help to get you going, give me a call to discuss one-on-one coaching and consulting. If your organization or company is ready for an injection of new ideas, energy, and practical tools to improve company culture and efficiency, let's chat. I have off-the-shelf workshops ready to bring to your organization on topics like effective communication, change management, presentation skills, and a suite of leadership development workshops, just to name a few. Custom workshops are also an option. For a 30-minute complimentary consultation, email me at kelly.nottingham at gmail.com, go to kellynottingham.com, or reach out to me on LinkedIn or via the links in the podcast notes so we can see if I'm a good fit for your needs. All right, now back to imposter complex. You've probably heard of imposter complex or imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon. Now, it's not a clinical diagnosis of a medical health condition, so syndrome isn't actually the correct term to use. I'll be calling it imposter phenomenon or imposter complex during this episode. Technically, complex is potentially not right either, but I'm going to leave that to psychologists to make that decision and they can let us know. If you are a psychologist, please let me know. Imposter complex is a well-researched phenomenon that shows up when successful, intelligent people feel they don't deserve their success. They don't take ownership of their accomplishments and usually feel that they've somehow faked their way into succeeding. And while early psychological research focused specifically on high-achieving women, the phenomenon has actually been found to impact men and women in roughly equal numbers. Now, this is not the same as humility. Humility can be great. Humility keeps us from being arrogant jerks. Imposter complex, on the other hand, is like humility gone wild, just completely out of control, and also completely out of actual reality. It hampers our growth, it keeps us from seeing our proper role in the world, in our work, and in our lives. It holds us back. It's focusing on all the things that we don't know, 
the person that we don't believe that we are and the potential we think we don't have. But we don't actually give credit to what we do know, who we actually are, and the potential that we do have. Imposter complex is internalizing and accepting our perceived failures, but not our perceived and real successes. So the way I like to think about it is that it's giving ourselves 100% credit when we mess up, but giving most of the credit to someone or something else if we seem to be succeeding. We'll say things like, I just got lucky, or anyone could have done it, or it was a fluke, or I just fooled them somehow, or they didn't have anyone else, so I was the only option, or I'm not a real whatever, or this is a really common one, they're going to find out soon that I don't have what it takes. Imposter phenomenon can show up in multiple ways. I'm going to read through nine common ways that imposter phenomenon rears its head. As I go through these, check to see if any of them sound familiar to you. Number one, focusing on others' needs and priorities ahead of our own, and then saying that they gave us a promotion because they liked us, not because we deserved it. Number two, workaholism. We got to prove ourselves, right? And no better way than apparently working ourselves to death. Now, workaholism often goes in combination with number three, which is not advocating for ourselves. So for example, I haven't worked hard enough to deserve that razor promotion, so I'm not going to mention that I'm even interested in it. Number four, Jumping down the comparison with others rabbit hole. More on this later in this episode. Number five, perfectionism. I have multiple episodes already published uh, in the podcast history that deal with this topic because it's huge. Perfectionism is looking at everything as high stakes and super important and consequently beating ourselves up for every tiny failure we make and never thinking about the times that we succeeded. Number six, procrastinating. I mean, if you never do the thing, nobody will find out that you can't do the thing, right? Waiting until all the pieces of a project have been thought through completely and decided before even starting any actual execution on it, that's procrastination. Finding eight million other things to do first, uh uh-huh. I'll get to it when I'm completely ready or completely qualified. Yep, that's procrastination. Number seven, playing smaller than we could or should, or not committing 100% to putting ourselves out there. Now, taken to a bigger and more extreme level, this one can even show up as self-sabotage. Number eight, Avoiding situations where we might fail or where we feel less than 100% prepared. The truth is, we'll never feel prepared enough. And here's a big secret. Nobody, nobody feels prepared enough. Number nine, avoiding the Dunning-Kruger effect. I personally believe that our imposter complex is trying in its own way to help us. It's trying to keep us from making a fool of ourselves. 
we are fully aware that we aren't able to do all of the things. And we also don't know all of the things. We know that we have more to learn, more to practice, and more to experience. The irony is many of us who deal with imposter phenomenon fear the Dunning-Kruger effect. Now, if you've not heard of this or you're not familiar with this, the Dunning-Kruger effect is a cognitive bias where people wrongly overestimate their knowledge or ability in a specific area. This is basically a lack of self-awareness that prevents them from accurately assessing their own skills. Now, why is this ironic? Because the whole challenge for people with the Dunning-Kruger effect bias is that they don't know that they don't know everything. They believe they have skills or abilities that they don't. It's a lack of self-awareness. Imposter complex is the opposite. It's an overblown self-awareness. So overblown that it's not based in reality anymore. But people who deal with imposter complex will often justify their feelings of not being good enough or qualified enough or legitimate enough because they don't want to be that Dunning-Kruger effect person who doesn't realize that they don't know what they're doing. It's especially heartbreaking that people who suffer with imposter complex often then compare themselves to people who don't really know what they're doing because those folks that don't know don't have the self-awareness that says, don't put yourself out there yet. You're not ready or qualified. They just put themselves out there anyway. And then the imposter people question themselves even more and use it as proof that something's wrong with them for not getting out there when seeing others with less or with no experience jump right in. So here's a personal example of this. Several years ago, I taught a workshop series on a topic I felt confident about, but hadn't really put myself into the world as an expert because I knew I needed to learn a few more things before taking on paying commissions. Now, as an extra side note, I tend to put the word expert on a very high pedestal, and I think a lot of people who deal with imposter complex do the same thing. Now, I'd also like to point out for everyone that I had, in fact, already been doing paid commissions in this type of work for years, but I didn't feel legitimate enough to actively advertise. One of the attendees, meanwhile, turned around and within a week of taking my workshop series, started advertising for commissions. I was horrified because, first of all, they weren't ready to do it, (laughs) but also I was beating myself up for not feeling confident enough to advertise my services when this other person obviously felt way more confident than I did with literally a beginner's level of experience. I kept wondering what was wrong with me and used the fact that I didn't feel qualified enough as proof that I wasn't qualified, even though this other person really probably deals with some Dunning-Kruger effect biases. All right, so those are the ways that imposter complex can show up. I'm going to read through those really quickly again because that was a whole lot of stuff. Number one, prioritizing others' needs first. Number two, workaholism. Number three, not advocating for ourselves. Number four, the comparison rabbit hole. Number five, perfectionism. Number six, procrastination. 
Number seven, playing small or not fully committing. Number eight, avoiding situations where we may fail. And number nine, fearing that Dunning-Kruger effect. If any of those examples started ringing some familiarity bells for you, then you might be dealing with imposter complex. Now, where can it show up in our lives? When do you feel like an imposter? How about in your career, sitting in meetings and feeling like the only person in the room that shouldn't be there? Sound familiar? How about in our serious hobbies, where we may downplay our skills because we say, well, I'm not a pro. How about in relationships? I hear it a lot from friends who are parents and especially new parents that they deal a lot with a feeling of being an imposter. And how about this one? This is very common for a lot of folks who are Gen X and younger. Being an adult especially in comparison to our perceptions of our parents and our grandparents. We think things like, I'm faking being an adult right now because I still watch cartoons and eat cereal for dinner. That's not what adults do. Except last night when I totally ate cereal for dinner and watched cartoons. That sensation of not being a real adult, or if I were a real adult, I would have my stuff together. You know what I mean? So how has imposter complex held you back over the course of your life? Take a few seconds to think about how you would approach life if you didn't feel like an imposter. What would you try if nobody would call you a fraud? What would you do If you had all the skills and experience and qualifications needed to feel successful, maybe apply for a new job, maybe ask for a promotion or a raise, maybe you'd jump out and start a business of your own. Wouldn't it be exciting to feel legitimate? Well, let's do it. Now, as we work on breaking through in this next section, here's a reminder to please be kind to yourself. Please don't fall into the imposter complex's evil plan to make you discount yourself even more for having these types of thoughts. That is so evil. We're looking at this whole process through a scientist's lens, okay? No judgments, no emotions, no self-bullying. We're just looking for data. If, as we are going through this, you start to feel those emotions, you start to feel that self-judgment or that self-bullying show up, please pause this podcast and go do something for yourself that's going to make you feel better. Come back to it later. The last thing we need to do is beat ourselves up for beating ourselves up, right? So how can we begin to dismantle our imposter phenomenon demon. Well, in order to change the way our minds talk to us and about us, the first big thing that we have to do, and you've heard me talk about this before, we have to become aware of our thought patterns. We have to listen to ourselves and we have to become super aware of our imposter thoughts. So what are your most common imposter thoughts? In other words, how are you 
an imposter. And some of you are thinking to yourself, <laughs> let me count the ways. This will be coming up for you with statements like, I just got lucky when, or if they only knew this about me, I'd be laughed out of the room. Now, I want you to write these down seriously. Seeing it on paper helps a lot, even though it can be honestly embarrassing and frustrating and a little bit horrifying to do. But when you write them down on paper, you get them out of your head, you can start to make a little bit of sense of them. And you may even start to see patterns. You may start to see contradictions within your own thought processes. That alone can show us how warped our perceptions can be. Once you've identified some of your most common imposter thoughts, I'd like for you to think about when they pop up. So what are the scenarios where they show up? Now, here's a helpful tip on this one. Think back to the times when you've succeeded in your life. Have you downplayed your successes? Jot down all of the times and situations that you can think of where your imposter complex rears its unwelcome head. Now, if you're anything like me, you'll start to see that this can go back a really long way. As I started working to investigate when mine show up, it took me way, way back into my youth. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't work through it. It just may take some more peeling away of the layers to get down to the root of where this may be coming from. And I'm going to say it again. If this starts to bring up any uncomfortable or difficult emotions for you, take it easy on yourself. Be kind to yourself in this process. The next big question, who decides who is legit? MC Hammer? Nope. The fact is we all have our own ideas of what legitimate means. And that's what we're going to investigate next. We're going to look through and identify what legitimate or real or good enough means and not as sort of a nebulous, cloudy, idealistic sort of fluffy thought in our heads. We're talking about a list of qualifications or skills here. Now, this to me is what is so dangerous and frustrating about imposter complex because our definitions of what it means to be qualified or good enough are so distorted or undefined that we really can't even measure ourselves or, frankly, anybody else against them. And that keeps us small and fearful. Is there a set of criteria that we can use to determine what it means to be qualified or legitimate? Now, there might be in a professional setting. There may be a set of required professional qualifications for a certain role or a certain title. If so, you can look at that to help you determine your list. Often, though, it's those unclarified abilities or ideas that we have that we base our good enough ideas on. So list out what it means to you to be legitimate. If you have a hard time getting started on this, think of three people who you feel are not imposters. They are the real deal. And why are they the real deal? Be specific. What experience, skills, qualifications, or experiences do they have that set them apart as good enough? Now, the next big question is, 
do the people that we consider legitimate actually measure up to our qualifications list themselves? Or are we falling victim to perfectionism? Are we making assumptions about them, about their skills, about their experience, and about their qualifications? Are we making assumptions about their confidence levels? Now, once you look through this and you think about your quote unquote good enough people, we're then measure ourselves against that same legitimate list. We're going to start by writing down what skills, abilities, and accomplishments you have to help you see where you actually are, not where your imposter complex is trying to tell you that you are. Now, an important question to address when you're thinking about your own skills, abilities, and accomplishments is this. Is our imposter complex trying to tell us something useful? Maybe in its own twisted way, it's trying to help us identify where we need to improve. Now, I generally with my clients see three main areas for this. The first is actual skill or ability. So if there's something on your list you actually do need to do or learn or experience, then here is your chance to start creating a plan to do that. We become by doing, so do the thing. And then give yourself credit for doing the thing. The second is self-perception and how that shows itself in your world. Your self-perception and your self-talk is an ongoing process of being gentle when your mind is going down an unhelpful or judgmental path. Keep referring back to your list of skills and accomplishments when you find yourself questioning your abilities. The third is our perception of others. Consider that many of the people that we look up to have possibly, maybe even probably, also dealt with imposter complex. They don't necessarily talk about it because, well, we don't generally talk about it with people we respect, do we? We don't want to admit the truth to people because we're scared that they're going to find out the real truth about us. Well, our heroes may do the same thing. If you're comparing your current state with someone else's public persona, keep in mind that they may not be sharing the struggles that they deal with behind the scenes. You also haven't seen everything that they've tried in the background and in the past that they don't share with the world and their beliefs about themselves that they don't discuss. All right, it's time for last call. First on our list of breaking down our imposter complex is to look up your legitimate non-imposter real bona fide person and do some research. What makes them qualified? What mistakes have they made? What can you learn from their experience? You get double points if you actually reach out to them and get in touch with them. Next up, list out three successes or achievements that you've had in your life and write out the following. What was the accomplishment? What did you do to make that accomplishment happen? What skills and abilities did you use in that situation? And if you still feel like it was a fluke or luck, what would a close friend say about you and what you did instead? Third on the list, write out 15 strengths that you have. 
And unless you are Domino from Deadpool, being lucky does not count as a strength. Now, if this is hard, again, find a trusted friend to share a few ideas that they would put on your list. And when they do, fight that urge to tell them that they're wrong. And number four on the list, next time you have any kind of success and corresponding imposter thought, catch it and tell it why it's wrong. What did you do to achieve that success? Over time, those imposter thoughts will start to weaken. So a last thought before we finish this episode. I'd like for you to consider this. I started off the episode by mentioning that imposter complex affects intelligent, successful, high-achieving people. Some of you may have already had the thought, well, it affects intelligent, successful, high-achieving people, but also me. That in itself is your imposter complex showing itself. The fact that you deal with imposter complex is in itself a proof that you are intelligent, successful, and high-achieving. Imposter complex doesn't mess with people who aren't. And if you haven't heard it today, I am proud of you and of all that you have done. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week. Talk to you soon. Bye. Well, thanks for joining me. If you have suggestions, feedback, or just something random you want to share, email me at careerspeakeasy at gmail.com and come visit again soon. Cheers. Cheers.